Welcome to Nell and Matt's Obsolete Movies, the podcast where we revisit films from our 20 plus years of collecting movies on obsolete formats. You could also think of this podcast as being about films from the VHS era, though we don't necessarily always watch them on VHS, though we do a lot, a lot, a lot. <laughs> yes. And one of these days, maybe we should do a mainstream movie on Laserdisc or something <laughs> to mix it up. We're in a streak here. Because our film for this episode is The Legend of Billie Jean from 1985. And we have it on VHS getting it, well, this week from eBay. Because I don't know why what possessed me to decide I need to find The Legend of Billie Jean immediately and have it (laughs) delivered as soon as possible to our house. So that we can watch it for this episode. Though we have a house full of films on obsolete formats. I think mm. we had fallen into an 80s hole and, and heard Invincible by Pat Benatar. Which yes. brought up the conversation about the movie. Which, interestingly enough, acts like an overture. I can't yeah. remember the last time a memorable pop song functioned in a movie soundtrack like an old-fashioned overture. Oh, that's a good point. You're absolutely right, it does. Because it pops up three or four times in the film where you get either the melody or a slice of the vocal or something until the final big bad scene at the end. Yeah, where you get the whole song. We will be invincible (laughs) is just everywhere. Yeah. And, yeah. So, um... I could say, let's see, when we saw it back then, or well, I was eight or nine. This was this movie was on HBO. Well, yes, it was TriStar, right? And yes. so uh, CBS, Columbia, and um, HBO all created TriStar together. We're all involved with TriStar, so of course these TriStar films ended up on HBO. Yes, back in the, the day when, if I, those of you maybe don't remember this, if you're old, back in our day in the 1980s, especially in the early 80s, early to mid 80s. HBO was sort of like it wasn't that unlike you know when they said like how MTV on the first day they only had like 30 videos or something yeah. and they just <laughs> saw and those bands all became big because they were yeah. they had a video so wow all right yeah um there were movies on HBO and Showtime and Cinemax and all the others that were like that. They had 10 yeah. movies or however many they did and it would just kind of be on and you would and it was, flip it on and. Go, and you watch the movie from the middle and just wait for yeah. it and then catch the, oh, I think this is 20 minutes before that scene I saw. And then you watch movies in pieces like that. And, and it was like, it was often films like Mac and Me that were just horrible. That <laughs> Yes. And I mean, The Legend of Billie Jean, which actually I'm going to speak glowingly of here in a minute, was not a hit. Right. Was not, uh, you know, an, uh, a... a, a blockbuster recognized instant classic of its era or whatever but well i saw it at a sleepover um and oh. so yeah that's the first time i encountered so you saw it in an all i'm assuming all female environment yes yes so uh yeah you know in in elementary school sleepovers were big especially for people for girls birthdays mm. and i remember watching this at one of my friends houses um growing up and, you know, of course, it was on HBO, so I, I saw it multiple times. But that was my first time I saw it. And thinking there, there's a slight, uh, you know, a dangerous, uh, 
dangerousness to it. And I remember thinking that as a kid, like, oh, this is a little dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's a dangerousness. I remember the, the, the scene with the abused kid. That was the yeah. only thing I remember is when Billie Jean goes to uh, confront the abusive, assumingly alcoholic or whatever, mean dad. Yeah. And all the kids and the kid power triumphs and, and rescues the kid from... The hopeless situation. Yes. Yes. So we should explain the plot of this movie probably. Because <laughs> if, if you haven't seen it, and you probably haven't. But if you have, you might have very good feelings of it like we do. But if you haven't seen this movie, yeah. the plot is... Yeah, well, so we should say, like, it was so funny because as we're watching the movie, there was points that, you know, you or I would be like, oh, I remember that specific mm -hmm. part. But I didn't remember the whole through line of the of the film. Um, but basically, what happens? It's um, Helen Slater and Christian Slater play brother and sister, but not in real life. But not in real life. But in the movie, ironic. They're, they're brother and sister, and um, these boys are flirting with her, and she throws, you know, a a, a milkshake in his in one of the boys' faces. They encounter them later. They steal her brother's bike, and when he goes to get it back, he gets he he and his bike get pretty beat up. Yes. Um, and that's kind of the beginning. The beginning, and then she goes to get the money back from the, the boy, the boy's father, and he actually tries to rape her. Yes. And uh, in kind of like the fight against you know trying to get away from her, her brother comes in, accidentally shoots the creeper. Which he finds, with a gun he finds in the Creeper's cash, cash register. register. Yeah. And so, well, Helen Slater is Billie Jean and her brother is Binks. Um, and yeah. so Binks accidentally shoots the, the Creeper Pratt and uh, they go out on the run. Yes. And so, you know, it's all about her trying to fight for, for justice, to try to get the money back for the bike. The and slogan of the, the slogan... Fair is Fair, which was the original title of the film. Oh, was it? That's interesting. Yes, yeah, she she makes a video explaining her explaining side what of the happens story. and says Fair is Fair. You owe yeah. six hundred eight dollars for this the bike you destroyed. Yeah, and of course Pratt tells the police that they came in to rob the store, and in the fight he gets he gets shot, um, and then he later goes on to say that she threw himself that she threw herself at him, and she yes. Was, asking for for it yes um and oddly the, the 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 police officer who peter coyote at the time was like a pretty big actor the police officer um realizes pratt is full of it right and is doesn't really understand that billy jean and her brother were victims of something mm -hmm. right he can't he doesn't know fully but he kind of guesses what's happening so all along you kind of have this this police officer figure who believes them and is yes. trying to get them out of trouble you know in a way yeah he's the cop of the heart of gold yeah yeah yes and so then things escalate there's a bounty you know there's like vigilante justice yeah. but also Billie Jean becomes in the legend of Billie Jean Billie Jean becomes this folk hero right and all of these young people who've been put upon who've you know have less than ideal home situations. Yeah. Don't feel free in the world. Uh, rally around Billie Jean. Right. So they're like, 
uh, Robin Hood or Bonnie and Clyde yes. type of thing. And of course, there's Blues Brothers. There's Blues a Brothers. And of course, Blues in this Clark movie. Crimes are added to their list that actually they didn't do. So she becomes this, and truly this legend. Yes. That, you know, she does all these things that aren't real, that are real, that. And then of course, there's the Joan of Arc anthology. Uh, analogy that yes, she becomes radicalized by watching Joan of Arc. Which is pretty epic when you think about it. Yeah, pretty amazing when you think about it. For an 80s teen-focused kind of heist-slash-caper movie. Yeah. I mean, you know, in a lot of ways, this is like a dirtier, rough-and-ride John Hughes kind of movie. Right. Or Without the whimsy. Right. It's, I mean, it's literally John Hughes in the trailer park. Yeah, uh, yeah, and also in some ways, Adventures in Babysitting too, which I don't remember the the time. Adventures in Babysitting came later. Later, but you think those are like okay kids lost in the big city. This is true. This is true. Legend of Billy Jean is, you know, not an attempted rape revenge film, right? And this film that also in Ronald Reagan's this is nineteen eighty five. They would have been shooting this. Or at least working on it during the '84 election, um, there's this interesting thing that happens in this movie about its class. It has a lot of class consciousness. It does. The kids who go on the run, including Billie Jean, her brother, uh, their best one of their best friends, who happens to be played by Yardley Smith. Yardley. Yardley Smith. Thank you. The voice of Bart Simpson. Lisa Simpson. Lisa Simpson. Sorry. <laughs> the voice of Lisa Simpson. So it's Lisa Simpson with a dirty mouth. Oh, that's right. Nancy Cartwright does Yeah. Uh, so Bart. it's Lisa Simpson with, with a with dirty mouth. <laughs> prepubescent, as we find out. And uh, it curses a lot. <laughs> and curses a lot. And... But these kids all live in the trailer park. Yes. And I think there is also this for... And she's, they're going up against a wealthy... Well, family, yeah. Wealthy so it's, you know, the small community. You know, I mean, the father doesn't mind that his son beat up Binks or trashed his bike. Right. He just figures, oh, well, now I can use this to have sex with this girl on a regular basis. Right. And he wants to give her $50 when she goes to get the money, and then he'll just she'll just keep coming back for the rest. So that's 16 yes. or so. Yeah, that's weird. Creeper. Creeper. Um, uh, yeah. So, but there's this incredible class consciousness in this film that right. there are the kids that are from the others. Now, granted, they're all white. It's right. a very white movie. Yes. You know, I'll talk about that later. Um, which I might have just ruined the movie for myself. Now that I think about it, we'll get to that later, too. Um, that there's these, these kids who are from the other side of the tracks and don't have the opportunities... To also don't have the opportunities to get away with things the way right. that rich kids do. And in fact, par also part of the plot is that they go looking. They're hungry. They're scared. They, they go to this mansion that seems empty and, and happen to come across a rich kid with a card of, heart of gold. Played by the dude who played the guy from Christine who fell in love with Christine the car. Keith Gordon. Keith Gordon, thank you very much. If you much. saw his face, you'd know who he was. Yes, you know exactly. Oh, that in, kid. He was in several big, like, 80s films. As, like, the weird-looking funky dude. Right, exactly. Yes. Exactly. He was in Dress to Kill as well. Yes. And, yes, he was in a ton of... And, uh, which then he actually, his class privilege opens up opportunities for them right. to make movies that, that she uses, like, his fashion, his closet... 
to like sculpt this new look of the Billie Jean Rebel, which is a very masculine look, and there's a right. Billie Jean haircut, which has incredibly short, sort of punk, but new wave well, influence hair. It's interesting, actually. There is a clip of Wendy O. Williams in the beginning of the film, yes, which I I thought was interesting because yeah, at that time, yeah, she would have been this kind of known kind yes. of figure and known for being tough and you know yes and so they use that Wendy O. Williams visual vocabulary yes. well to craft the, the new Billie Jean who's then on the run but yeah class consciousness is so fascinating and you know consumerism right like that's yes. also the other thing is it, it, it does deal with consumerism and yes kinda... and youth oriented product placement yes though it doesn't actually have it in the movie but so then the creeper guy whose son smashed and trashed Binks and his bike um, decides after being shot by Billie Jean that the best thing he could do is capitalize on Billie Jean and sell and cash in on Billie Jean souvenirs. Yes, yeah, so and t-shirts, hats, again, posters. For, for Reagan's America where the class divide really became solidified and we decided we actually do want to be like the British. <laughs> or the Indian, or the, you know, the caste system. Um, you know, he does wrong... There's a minor, there's an infraction against him, which then allows all of these other opportunities to create tremendous wealth. Right. You know, he, he certainly sells more than $809 worth of uh, souvenir, Billie Jean souvenirs. Right. Which, also in the era of the Cola Wars, would have been, you know, and, and real youth-oriented mar merchandising and sort yeah. of brand positioning that was so the 1980s and that you had to have, you know, Michael Jackson for Pepsi and Michael J. Fox for, was that Diet Coke? Was it? I think so. I don't remember. <coughs> I don't remember either. But he, he had a soda contract um, that you would have this. So in a way, also, it is this movie that really does maybe rebel against its time and place in which a is fascinating probably, way. Which is probably why... It in some ways wasn't popular because it is kind of pushing back against consumerism, and it pushes back against the way that young people. I mean, my I think about my sister, yeah. who was a teenager at the time. She would have been sixteen when this movie came out, and very much like the things that you had, the brands that you positioned yourself with, yeah, very much was what made you cool. I think the way now for young people what kind of cell phone you have yeah is that but for 80s teens if you remember if you were there it was maybe everything yeah it was maybe your soft drink your vehicle the brand name of your shirt your shoes your shoes which is also i think part of the way you know binks and billy jean don't have a lot yeah their dad apparently you know it's it alluded to that he died in some sort of accident so right. they that family doesn't have a lot so that scooter was Binks' whole life. Right. We say bike, but it was like a scooter. It was like it was a, a Honda. Yeah. Honda Vespa looking thing, thing, but totally 80s and futuristic. Yeah. Um, that got trashed. Yeah. Stolen and trashed. So that's the other thing is that it's, you know, grand theft 
something, but it's a rich kid, so it's not that big of a deal. Right. The cops don't care so much. Which, again, is... Yeah. Like it's America, so... And they actually perfectly. do go to the cops when it's stolen, so... so and the cops don't do anything. Billy Jean goes and, and reports the theft of her brother's bike. Yeah. Um, and yard, uh, and uh, Putter, who Yardley Smith plays... Um, She's basically like, he's not going to bring it back. He's an asshole. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. Um, and so they, you know, they say that 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 Hubie is not going to bring it back. That he, or if he if he brings it back, he's going to bring it back damaged. Yeah. Um, and the cop just doesn't believe her. You know. Yeah. The, and he's supposed to be the good guy, uh, and he realizes his mistake. And then for me, I, I, you know, as we were watching, I was saying, like, this is, in some ways, this is the plot of Thelma and Louise. Yes. Um, and so that kind of, like, the cop realizing that they, that Thelma and Louise have been put in a situation that wasn't their fault and was difficult, and this is, this is what happened, right? They, they fled. So very similar, like, premise in many ways. Absolutely. And so... Oh. So the other thing I think that is really interesting about the film, you know, is, yeah, just the idea of the anti-hero. But also I think for me watching it again in 2020 is thinking about, and as people, we're both educators by mm -hmm. trade and we work with young people, you know, thinking about also this film as a mark of, you know, how incredibly hostile our culture can be towards young people yes um and you know i think there's also a way that this movie does teen rebellion it's not that oh you're not gonna let me wear the miniskirt oh you're not gonna let me stay out right. past 11 30. they you know billy jean strikes a nerve because there's things that are really wrong in some people's lives and, you know, her mom believes her, right? Like, yeah. that's also the other thing. It's like her mom realized, like, trusts her daughter and believes that her daughter would not have tried to rob this store. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was also interesting. Is like yeah. that mom was, was very supportive. Yeah. Which I think, you know, this might be actually part of our, our questions as well. Um, it wasn't socially acceptable rebellion is what you're getting at, right? So yes. So it wasn't like... Um, yeah, you're right. Like, it wasn't about, I, I want to wear this mini skirt or I want to yeah. go to this party. I want to do this, you know, and you're keeping it me was, away There's from something's the fundamentally wrong with our community. Right. And pillars of our community. And what do we do with that? I mean, it's this question. Um, still a question that we Still have. a question. Well, you know, we also watched recently This Place Rules, the Andrew Callahan documentary, which you should see if you have HBO Max. And, um, he keeps coming, people keep asking him this question about, you know, well, what about peaceful protesters? And, and he uh, kind of just shoots back, well, why does protests have to be peaceful? Right. You know, and one of the things that made his career that ended all gas, no brakes, and began Channel 5 and began this journey was him going to Minneapolis and interviewing rioters at the George Floyd protests. And actually, you know, then going to TV, mainstream network TV, like, do you, do you want to interview those people? You can just go talk to those people if you want. Oh, no, we're, we're just, I'm just here to shoot the burning CBS. Right. And because that was more important for the news, the news, quote unquote. Right. 
And so that's still this this question of you know what happens when you have just a fundamental wrong or fundamental moral rot at the core of your community. Yeah. Which, you know, is also a fascinating thing about this film. And like that the story only gets told from one perspective. Yes. And so for Billie Jean, the initial narrative is from Pratt, from the man who tries to rape her and, t- you know. Yeah. Um, and he, he says that she's tried to rob the store, that she's a, a slut who was coming on to him, and all this other stuff. So she, he's able to control And the there's this narrative of, like, again, all these, the youth, uh, you know. Youth are gone wild. Youth, youth are crazy. gone, yeah. Yeah. This, this whole type of thing around, you know, kids going crazy, and then he's getting letters from parents who are upset with how children are, are acting today. And the interesting thing, is, like, you kind of get these different perspectives of parents, too, right? So, like, Billie Jean and, and Binks's mom is going out on a date that night, you know, and she is, you know, trying, kind of, it seems flighty, right? But does seem to love her children. Yeah. And then you have um, Putter, whose mom beats seems, her. Beats her. You have her other friend who seems to have an okay relationship with her parents. Her dad kind of lets her take the car. Um, when she meets the rich guy, um, his dad is dis- disinterested in him. Yeah. Um, and doesn't like him. And, or, you know, doesn't yeah, like his Yeah, which, kid. I mean, you know, even he, Gen Z thinks they discovered OK Boomer. But there is a lot. <laughs> there, there, this is true. There there's so of much of this movie about Boomer moral <laughs> bankruptcy, too. Yeah. As, as a key element of the film. Yeah, even for for Pratt, and he thinks his son is an idiot. Like, he who got into the situation doesn't seem to really like his son, thinks he's an idiot, and kind of treats him poorly. So you also get this broad spectrum of, like, parents, of how parents interact with their children. Yes, and how parents were terrible. Yeah. They're just terrible. (laughs) They're just not good at humaning in any way. (laughs) And so, is this movie... Does this movie stick the landing? Is this a well-crafted film? Is this a movie that, like, the plot perfectly makes sense? No. No. But it's a fable. It's a way that, you know, we just did Four Rooms not too long ago. And you think Four Rooms tried to be a farce, but was an unfunny farce that didn't know how to farce because it didn't play it straight. Then we did Sister, Sister, which was also trying to be this, like, suspense, psychological thriller, maybe Southern Gothic fantasy that also doesn't stick the landing. The Legend of Billie Jean is a also fundamentally flawed film and some basic film craft things, like the feasibility of the plot in places yeah the acting in places the the chase scenes are definitely low budget you can tell you know um a couple of the cars that they wrecked they you know were very careful and made sure (laughs) oh god we only got one of these we better get this shot so they got the blandest the most exciting scenes were some of the blandest shots Actually, on a funny side, one of the producers actually ended up being a director or producer for Fast and the Furious and Triple X. So I'm like, oh, he should have known car chases. Or maybe that's where he learned. Maybe that was his <laughs> first one. Uh, um, but also, the director was more known for being a screenwriter, and so he actually 
worked with Del Toro and did several wrote several screenplays for Del Toro and and um, yeah. and uh, Steven Spielberg and things like that. Um, so they actually had like kind of like this interesting talent behind the film. Yes, and that they got this sort of fable that what if there was. And I, it was also, you know, this is a New Year, so it's Twilight Zone Marathon time. The Talking Tina doll from uh, the Telly Savalas episode of the Talking Tina doll from 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 Twilight Zone that vulnerable children in bad situations could have this avenging angel. Yeah. And that that fable and that parable, the legend of Billie Jean, that fair is fair. Yeah. And that young people can have a moral compass. Yeah. And what young people do when their their understanding of what mor- basic morality should be is yeah. violated, and yeah. th- in that way, this film's kind of beautiful. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I think for for many people, you know, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer might be the closest analog. Yeah, yeah that's analog a good point. to it. You know, of like kind of like this, just like at the core, this good person who is trying to fight this this battle, right? And puts themselves in danger and, and things like that. So for me, like, Buffy is, like, a really natural kind of through line, right, for him. Yeah, but no supernatural element. No supernatural. No, no supernatural no. element, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the point of Buffy is that she's just, like, an average girl who... Yes, and is, Billie Jean is very yeah, average. Yeah. And is thrown into great circumstances... Right. And his watch is The Legend of Joan of Arc at just the right time. You know, well, Josh Whedon right now has a lot of issues and problems, but, like, his kind of premise around Buffy is that it would be a girl who, if she walked down an alley in the dark, would have gotten attacked and beat up. But what if that girl actually could take care of herself? Yeah. And, like, that's the same with Billie Jean. Like, she she can take care of herself. Yes. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yes, Absolutely. Which, should we get to the big four questions yeah, then? Sure. I think if we talk, uh, talked about everything I wanted, it was a great mall scene. All right, is it camp, retro, a classic, or just an old movie? I think it's a classic. I um, think it's a classic. I would say it is a lost classic. I want to say if you are a Gen Xer, especially if you are a Gen Xer that did not come from the best of homes. Yes, this will connect with you. And the best of communities. And if you were that kid who's on the other side of... Yeah. The tracks. Or also, I just knew, I mean, the class was so big in my New Jersey suburban community. Yeah. You know, could you really afford to be here? Right. Do you have a future? Because we knew that the world was changing and doors of opportunity were rapidly closing. This movie speaks to those feelings and those memories and that you knew that one kid who had a home life that was way worse than yours. Yeah. And all these other invisible battles that were being fought in an 80s youth-oriented action movie caper heist film. Yeah. Legend of Billie Jean does it. Suspend your disbelief. This movie is a lost classic. I think any, like, any girl 13 or older, any girl or woman should watch this film. Yes. Um, because it, it is... For me, it's a classic. And kind of re-watching it again, I remember just kind of... Because it's probably been over 20 years. It's probably been 30 years since I've watched this movie. Same. And I actually kind of felt like... I remember watching this movie. I remember like the impact this movie had on me. And it was mm. it was kind of touching. Mm. Yeah. So, yes. This, the question two, the social political distance. 
does class consciousness really well, but right. as I said earlier, and it does ruin the movie a little bit for me now to realize, like, wow, what an unbearably white film. It was filmed in Texas. And it was filmed in Texas! <laughs> yeah. It was filmed in Texas. Yeah. There are people of different races in Texas, if you won't believe. Like, Texas is a place where literally the border moved on Texas. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a valid point, but I also think that's that's... 80s filmmaking, unfortunately. Yeah, which is unfortunate. Um, which so, is really, I mean, the John Hughes world. Yeah, you is, might. There was no token. Which there was, was no like token. Topic there to was no movie. also like actually there was no like. Um, who was the character from was it Sixteen Candles? The Asian stereotype uh, that's yes, really yeah, really yeah. terrifyingly yes, nauseating a, <laughs> to watch now. Yeah, there there are at least not that none of those characters, but also there are no other kind. There are no people of color. Yeah. In in this film, really, maybe in a crowd shot. Yeah, maybe. But, maybe, but there's you no know, again, you would think for youth who are from the wrong side of the tracks, and society yeah. does not care about at all yeah. and are vulnerable. There should be more representation. <laughs> yes, there right? should be because there's yeah. you know white kids have it bad, but other kids yeah have it pretty bad too, and and in fact uh, don't get to be white and have it bad. I think Which it also makes it to escape. yeah yeah but I think it also just kind of that sense of like being a, a female like you know it's kind of like once you hit like thirteen you kind of notice that there's people who are creepers um, yeah and I think it does that really well of her you know and she's she's an attractive Helen Slater's very attractive Helen Slater was like really big in the 80s like she did a bunch of films she was like in City Slickers and things like that she's another one like you would be like oh if you when you see her like oh I recognize that face um you know she's 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 not doing anything provocative which would have been the mindset at that time right like yes. oh you were in this outfit you were acting this way it's your fault for doing it and she went there just to get to be a good big sister and get the money back for her brother's bike, and he almost tries to rape her. Yes. Um, and then insinuates that she should be a whore, a prostitute, and yeah. get money get money from him for it. Um, I think it does that really well. That being vulnerable of yeah. like, oh, this much older man coming on yes. to this young girl who's probably sixteen, um, and like kind of treating her that way yes uh, and I think it handles that really really well and then when that happens especially class dynamic wise as well yeah what what recourse did a girl yeah. have at that time to go and say this man did this to yeah. me or this man tried to do this to and me and also I mean the fact that I mean Christian Slater's character Bixby is beat up very severely yes. and is getting that bike back and there is no thought of any sort of repercussions right for him being beaten severely yeah he's pretty bloodied and mangled would have been uh, would have been the style at the time as yeah. well which is kind of yeah yeah so I think that gets that really really I mean it handles that really well and I Another reason why I think maybe this film didn't do so well is people don't want to talk about that, right? Yeah. Especially in terms of a girl. Yes. That wasn't one. No one wanted to to see that. Yeah. Um, and you think about it because it would have been, you know, we were coming off the '70s where there was some films where girls are very sexualized, like Taxi Driver, Manhattan, the, Manhattan, the little girl who lives down the lane. 
um, uh, what's that? The um, Brooke Shields film. I can't think of it. Sweet Baby or something like that. Like, yeah. so you had like these late seventies, early eighties films where young young girls are highly sexualized and the yeah. thought was that like the girls are actually enjoying this right taxi driver she seems to be enjoying being a prostitute right yeah this now we're hitting the 80s and they're like nope that's being exploited yeah and that's not right and that's not fair and like and so full stop like full stop that's wrong and i don't think people are ready for it to be honest with you <laughs> that yeah. full stop like this is this is wrong and this is you know what causes her and that you can step out of line yeah. I mean, I think the other thing is, in terms of uh, social political distance, a police officer today would be defending his pension. Yeah. It, he would be defending his mistake. Our public institutions were so far into the world that is happened during Reagan that that shift, that, you know, institutions were not for people, the institutions were for the institutions. Yeah. That that shift is so entrenched, you know, that the, the cop with the heart of gold would have just done the normal thing. Well, you know, you know, so you know what I mean? And that that we could believe in a police officer that way to yeah. admit that they did wrong. But, you I, know, I don't I that part was that's the most unbelievable well, part of the film. But also, though, I mean, though he is the heart of gold, he still follows orders, right? Yeah, so he still does what he's told he to do. He still does, but you know? yeah, I, I just I think that is yeah. so far from our reality. Yeah, you know. Yeah, the in truth terms comes of out. Dealing with policing. You know, they also they also brought which this did happen in the eighties of of children getting shot with play guns that look like real guns and that happens there's this scene where Bix uh, gets shot because yes. he has the gun um, but that, and that's the thing I think the sharpshooters are the future right the sharpshooters who do that in the final scene are the future yeah and they it's we'll shoot first ask questions later and it yes. is exactly what they what they do yes um, and because he's white and because there was a crowd of people there he, he wasn't killed he was yeah. disabled like you know knocked out but yeah, no, I, I do understand what you're, what you're saying with this. The thing that kind of kept popping into my head, though, is Smokey and the Bandit. Oh, um, yes, this is a this is a youth Smokey and the, the Bandit. Bandit, and it's so funny because I think of like how many moms and dads were in the living room watching Smokey and the Bandit, and girls were upstairs on e <laughs> watching the living. <laughs> Oh um, my God! And that, yes. and that, you know, Smoking the Bandit was the seventies, so it might have been Smoking the Bandit two or Smoking the Bandit three. But again, HBO played all of them all the time. But like, you know, it was okay for kind of dads to have Smoking the Bandit, right? Yes. And people kind of rally behind uh, behind the Bandit and all this other stuff. And so it was like kind of cool as a girl to be like, I got my Billy Jean. I don't need your Smokey in the band. Yeah. I have my Billy Jean, and that, yeah. that's, that's and you know, cool. I got the Ford LTD station wagon. It's fun. <laughs> it's yeah. not. I mean, the Trans Am's a little cooler, a little faster, but they got the Ford station wagon <laughs> in this movie. So question three, and in terms of technical distance, I think just the 80s, there's a foot chase through a mall, and the mall is full of people, and the stores. That all the storefronts are full and there are goods and retail happening right. in a shopping mall. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. 
Um, but also great 80s car casting, great 80s new wave fashion throughout right. the film. Um, all of that right, and is no. on full display. The G.I. Joe walkie-talkies that they yeah. shoplift so that they can communicate with each other. I mean, you know oh. what? If the movie was set today, you know, a parent would have pinged their child's cell phone. Billy Jane's Yeah, Billie Jane's cell phone would have just pinged, been pinged and they would have got her cell phone out. data. Yeah, I mean, so there's and no... She would have been able to broadcast her story on, 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 what, on, on, so, Instagram. on Instagram or TikTok and yeah. it would have been... Where but she... then the, the cell phone, they would have just found her and that would have been the end of it. Which also was kind of smart. Like, so... Um, um, when when they meet this wealthier guy and uh, she becomes ends up becoming romantically involved with him, uh, he has he's wealthy. He has a video camera. He's into film. He films her side of the story and they send yeah. it to um, different television stations, which was such a smart idea. Which yes. was such a good idea. So like that at that time that would have been fancy. Like oh he has a video camera. Oh, he can film that side, her side of the story. Which also was a sign of tremendous wealth. Oh, absolutely. You know, at this yeah. time, this was 85. You, I, oh, yeah. We didn't get our VCR until a few years later, and we had to buy it on a layaway. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're so let alone right. to be able to put images on a video yeah. cassette? Whoa, yeah. dude. Yeah, so at that, I remember at that time thinking, like, whoa, that's a video camera? He can afford a video camera? Wait, but now like we have our cell phones, we you could film anything. Yeah, we have broadcast <laughs> quality cameras in our yeah. pockets all the time. But so so that's also a thing. Yeah. Um, question four. I think you you already know the answer to this question. Will we ever watch it again? Yes. I might want to watch this movie tomorrow. Yeah, I th I think I you know the eighties were very much known for excess and consumerism, right? And yes. so having this film that deals with sexual assault, that deals with class issues, that deals with consumerism, you know, and the last scene actually is so, I love the last scene. And so the last scene is she confronts the man that assaulted her and, um, you know, he grabs her and like falls and knocks over a, uh, um, fire and a things, tiki torch, a tiki torch, and things start on fire. And once everybody understands, like, oh, he tried to sexually assault her and framed her for this, they start throwing in the t-shirts into the fire. Yeah, which is so the antithesis of the eighties, right? Yeah, so, because people be like, no, but it's Adidas, no, but it's a Puma, no, like I can't. Throw it's it Billy Jean. It's Billy. It's Jean. a Billy Jean sun visor. Yeah, and Do that. You know what people used to wear sun visors in public? It was a huge thing. Um, that part was just so amazing. And so I think because of all these things that we love about the film is why it didn't do well. Yeah. Um, and I do really think, and I also could see parents watching this film and be like, oh, I don't want my kids to watch this. They'll get some ideas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> They'll stand up for themselves. They'll stand up for themselves. And there are all these brilliant moments of like kids standing up for themselves. Like I love when uh, Putter, um, Billie Jean turns Putter in because they almost get shot. Uh, someone's by a vigilante. By yeah. a vigilante, and um, Putter's mom comes to pick her up, slaps her across the face, and Putter grabs scissors and just starts cutting her hair off. And it's just like this amazing scene. It's like mm -hmm. Putter. That was the one thing she could control is her hair, and yeah. so she started cutting it off. And so I just love that scene of like that moment. She just showed that she had a little bit of a control of the situation. 
and I think you're right for like kids who kind of grew up in unstable homes and not the best homes that kind of sense of I could have some degree of control in some situation was just like really powerful to see yeah yeah so we'll probably watch it again and again and again it's going into hot rotation I think yes watch the legend of Billie Jean folks absolutely flawed masterpiece (laughs) well it's definitely 80s aesthetic flawed masterpiece lost classic fable of it is, she is the, the legend of Billie Jean is the fable of the, the youth figure that takes care of vulnerable young people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's a nice thing to believe in. Absolutely. I think we're good. I think we're good. We're out. We're done. Bye. Bye.